Hello and welcome to Happy Place. I'm Fern Cotton and today I'm chatting to Leanne Pinnock. Saying the words, I am being treated differently because of the colour of my skin. Saying those words, even to the girls, I was like, this sounds ludicrous. For all those years, it just, it just it sounded wild to me. I just never knew how to say it. But then, yeah, obviously, the world almost woke up in, in a way and these conversations aren't awkward anymore, you know? Like, we can have these conversations. Leanne's life changed overnight when she became part of the first ever girl band to win the X Factor. Little Mix went on to become one of the biggest girl bands of all time. They were a multi-platinum selling supergroup. But the ascent to global fame wasn't always comfortable for Leanne. Despite literally living her childhood dream of becoming a pop star, she was faced with the reality of being a black woman in an industry and team with little diversity. I've interviewed Leanne under other guises before. On Radio 1, they came into the live lounge, on top of the pops, no doubt. I mean, so many times I can't even remember. But having this chat with her felt like a very special opportunity to really get to know her personally because, as she details in her new memoir, Believe, she struggled with her identity in the band and ultimately felt really quite lost. Now, though, she feels like she's found her power and feels very ready to speak out. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Right, here it is. This is the show. Hey, Leanne. Hi. We were just trying to work out when it was we last saw each other. I don't know. Yeah, it was a long time ago. But nice to see you again. It's so nice to <laughs> see on my you. Own. I know, but do you know what? Mm. It's so I'm so glad I'm getting to chat to you one on one because we've got a hell of a lot to get through today. Mm-hmm. There's this sort of divine energy emanating from you. Mm. Like this is, it feels like this is Leanne's year. Oh, thank you. Yeah, no, I think... It was a really scary transition to make coming from the group to now obviously being on my own solo. It was a necessary transition, um, I think, for all of us. But yeah, it's it's been freeing, you know, like I can walk into rooms and I can sing about what I want to sing about and there's no compromise. And yeah, I feel like I can really show people what I'm made of. Yeah, it's liberating. Yeah. Yes. As well as new music, you've mm. written a book which really yes. gets into it. You know, you are totally honest in this book, yeah. totally authentic. It seems like you're saying a lot of stuff that you didn't feel you could before. And now mm. you've got this sort of freedom. And I think, you know, part of that might be because now you're in the sort of space where you're on your own. So you can have those sorts of discussions. But yeah. also, I guess a big part of it is age, yeah. confidence and feeling like... You want to say this stuff. So true, yeah. And I think as well, like, I know, like, the power that comes of having a platform, you know? Like, I can... 
I just feel like I'm in this position for a reason. Like it's necessary for me to speak up and speak out about these issues, like especially like with race, you know, like it's it's something that I am putting myself out there with and and I want to raise awareness and I want to do something. I want to see a change, you know, like I think it's almost my duty to say something. Yeah. And, you know, you, you talk about some pretty painful stuff because, as I said at the start of this, you know, you've got this amazing energy going on. You're clearly fulfilling a lot of dreams yeah. and you're really comfy in your own life and you're doing what you want to do. But obviously there was a hell of a lot of pain and discomfort before mm. that that you talk about in the book. Yeah. And, you know, as an outsider, I hadn't realised that. I've interviewed you so yeah. many times and it's so often the case when... I get this opportunity to properly sit with someone and chat, mm. that you get underneath what you're sort of presented, which is this yeah. really beautifully polished girl band who are exceptional at what they do. Mm. But there's so much shit going on underneath all that. Yeah. And you were really struggling. I mean, I had no mm. idea reading your book, you know, you were coming off stage so regularly and just bursting into tears mm-hmm. immediately. And you didn't even know why oh, at the I had, start. That's, I think, what was the struggle. Like, I didn't understand it. And I blame myself. And it just came down to, you're just not good enough. Like, you have to do more vocal rehearsals. You have to talk more in interviews. You have to be more funny. You've just got to stand out more because clearly what you're doing isn't working. And I did all of that. Like, and I felt like I just put in so many hours to try and better myself when really I just had to be myself, you know? So, yeah, it was it was a frustrating thing to deal with, to not, to not know that it was because of the colour of my skin, to not have that definitive like answer as to why I'm going through this and years and years went on I remember like coming off stage and my manager would be like I'd be crying and she'd be like Leanne like it's not you you're amazing and bless her like she she didn't know what to say to me you know she was just trying to like lift me up and I was just like why is this happening like why am I fading like why am I not equal to the other girls like why am I not getting this reception like they are what is going on and and no one could help me and I think it wasn't really until Brazil for me. I went to Brazil and we performed to a predominantly black crowd and they were chanting my name. And I toured the world with the girls and I'd never felt a feeling like it. And I feel I felt like it changed my life, to be honest, because it was the, rec- it was the what's the word, realisation that I needed to, to fully understand what was happening. Yeah, it's a really emotional part of the book. You know, it's right at the start of the book that you talk about that gig Mm. and having that realisation and walking off stage and feeling seen, feeling Mm -hmm. heard, feeling loved, which you clearly hadn't for many, many years. Mm. And there was also an element of that that felt prior to the Brazil gig that you were being gaslit to some extent because you would come off and say, you know, what is going on? Why am Mm. I not getting the same amount of, you know brilliant warm reception from the crowd and and everyone I guess you know trying to make you feel comfortable would say no no it's all in your Mm -hmm. head everyone loves you but actually that's not necessarily helpful when you're trying to work out this is what's the reason and how do I overcome this exactly and I just like remember hearing so much it's in your head Leanne it's in your head and it was only times where I could speak to like my black dancers who just got it because they had had similar experiences in their lives you know like we could all speak and and I found so much, like, comfort with them. And, like, there were times I could speak to Jade as well. Like, I remember I speak about in the book, there was one time on stage, it was the LM5 tour, and I was coming off and I was getting really sad and just feeling the same feeling. And then um, my dancer, King, and Lorenzo, 
there was a move that they did. Um, they turned around to me and they um, did like a crown sign on their heads and looked at me. And that was it. I was gone. I was like, oh my God. They did it every night. And ugh, God, I get shivers when I think about it because I needed that. I just needed to see that. Um, so yeah, I, like I, I took comfort in those times. So during this whole process of, you know, having been on the X Factor, the band forming, mm-hmm. making music, touring the world, having all of these complex feelings going on, mm. at what point did you realise, wait a minute, this is about race? Mm. Oh, good question. I think as the years went on, like I would speak to my family about it and the conversation came up sometimes and my mum and dad would be like, Leanne, you're getting the same money, just let, it's okay, just get on with it, do what you got to do. And I didn't want to hear that at that time. I w- it's almost like I, I wanted to... I don't know. It was like tough love, you know. Like, and I don't, I don't know what I needed, but that to me was like, I don't want, to, I just want to get on with it, you know. Like, I want something to change it. But I think, actually, I know when it was. I read why I no longer talk to white people about race, and when I read that, it was like, okay, like this is this is so relatable right now. Like, and I think I read something like, um, as a black person walking into a predominantly white room, you should be the one that stands out. So why why is it an invisible feeling, you know? And I was like, wow, like I related to that so much. I then remember I first spoke about race 2018 with ASOS magazine and it fell on deaf ears. Like just no one cared. Um, and it's interesting because when I wanted to do my documentary, Race, Pop and Power, and when I started talking about wanting to do it, this was years ago actually that I first started thinking about it. And my mum was like, but no one cares about race, Leanne. Like, great, amazing, but but people just don't want to hear it. And that was the reality. And I think it was only like the tragic killing of George Floyd and obviously the movement started happening in the pandemic. Everyone was talking about race for the first time in my lifetime. So then I decided to put a video out. My sister called me and she was like, Leanne, like, you have to talk about your experiences, like, properly. Like, go in and just just say it. And I did. And I think it was like the overwhelming like response of just support. Like there was from my fans, from from so many people all around the world and also hearing from other girls in different girl bands like Normani from Fifth Harmony, like Rochelle from The Saturdays, like all reaching out, black girls in their group. And they said exactly the same. Like Normani said, you are me and I am you. And I was just like, oh my gosh, like this whole time, like this has been a thing. This has not been in my head this is real. So I think it was like these little things that added to the realisation of it. It would have been so amazing if you could have had those conversations with those other girl uh, band members prior well, to that. But there there wasn't the space for it seemingly. No. Or it wasn't something that anyone felt necessarily comfortable mm. talking about openly through, yeah. I don't know, fear. It's usually fear. Whether you're black or white, I think there was mm. huge fear prior to the whole movement. Yeah. Is this okay to say? Should I say it? And sometimes I feel like on this podcast, certainly my duty is to sometimes say the unsayable or things Mm. that you're scared about. And I certainly, I think prior to the movement, wouldn't have felt comfortable Mm. asking anybody about race unless they had brought it up, Mm. which isn't necessarily right. I I maybe should have moved more towards that subject of my own accord, but I think I was absolutely terrified. So we all were. Even me as a black woman, I think it's that stuff. Like, it was like an icky thing. And 
like I could I could talk about it like on my Sundays with my family, you know, in like these safe spaces or like with my friends. But it was never a thing. I, like saying the words, I am being treated differently because of the colour of my skin. Saying those words, even to the girls, like I was like, this sounds ludicrous. For all those years, it just it just it sounded wild to me. So I just never knew how to say it. But then, yeah, obviously the world almost woke up in, in a way and like, these conversations aren't awkward anymore, you know? Like, we can have these conversations and, yeah, I feel like a lot has changed. Still a lot to be done, but it feels like it's moving in the right direction. So when you would approach, whether it's the band or I know, much like myself, you've got your old schoolmates that are still mm. your really, really good friends... Could you approach that subject prior to you having this realization? Is that something you felt you could say, especially to the band? Like, look, I'm really, I'm really struggling here. I don't think so, really. Um, I, they knew that I, but we would joke about it. Like, I would be like, oh, they don't care about me anyway. Like, oh, the fans don't really care anyway. Like, that's what I would say and laugh about it. And like looking back on it, I'm like, wow. Like, but I never really said to them I think it's because of my race because I didn't even know you know so but yeah it wasn't until like the the last maybe like four years or three years where like I felt like I could but especially to Jade you know because she's like mixed heritage um so I just felt like she really got it but yeah it was just saying it out loud just something about it and so having having that realization which is essential for you to then be able to work out coping mechanisms mm. or how you're going to build your confidence back up because from reading your book and I think it you know there's lots of people out there who have entered the public eye definitely myself included who mm. had a sort of perhaps a natural confidence prior to that and then it quickly gets stripped away mm. from being in the public eye because everyone's got an opinion mm -hmm. everyone you know you know eyes are on you so yeah. you're aiming for some kind of elusive perfection that doesn't actually mm. exist and you start to second guess yourself and question everything that you're doing so you really get to see that in your book how that confidence mm. was just slowly ebbing away and it's really heartbreaking to read at times and I think many people would read that and it, it massively resonates mm. being then at the point where you feel like I've got no confidence you know I'm, I'm not feeling great but at least I know why now yeah how did you then start to build your confidence back up to get back on stage because mm. it's no mean feat especially now on your own yeah to be out there doing what you love but without your other bandmates on the mm -hmm. stage with you and to get on the stage and not feel insecure or worried or mm. second guessing what's going to happen how did you start to incrementally build that confidence yeah. so oh um Obviously, we had, yeah, Brazil and, like, that sort of awakening. So um, that was a massive pivotal point oh, for you. Like, that was massive, the start of something. Yeah, 100%. Because I, I, there were people out there that saw me, you know, and, like, I, I felt it on that stage. Um, and I think that did a lot for my confidence, for sure. I mean, I feel like even now, like, I'll have moments where I'll still feel like that girl, you know, who who really was, like, stripped of things, like character, confidence, whatever. But I'm also that girl that is just taking it now. Like, I really do feel like the more that I've been open and the more that I've spoken out and the more that, like, everything's there now, it's out. I've just got to move on, you know? Like, I am taking all of these opportunities 
Like, I know my power. I know my worth. And, like, I've got children now that I have to show that to, too. So, yeah, I mean, that's, like, a massive thing for me. Like, and they are... She's not going to get emotional. Oh, God. My children are so fearless. Like, they're two. And I always think to myself, what would they do? They're two years old and I literally think, what would they do? And that is all I need. Mm. It's the biggest, biggest perspective shifter, isn't it? It's, you know, it's just huge. It's Mm. huge. It it makes you reevaluate everything. And also, do you know what I think it is? And it makes me feel deeply emotional, you know, um, in the same light, is that it gives you actually, your purpose is totally different now. You know, you're doing it for different reasons. And like, I know some people might think, oh, she's banging on about race again, but... If I can keep talking about it and make sure that these things don't happen again to affect them, I'm going to do that. You know, like, I'm in this unique position where I do have, at the minute, a predominantly white fan base, even right now. And I, I, I do want to, like, educate and I do want to keep just speaking about it and raising this awareness. Like, otherwise, why am I here, you know? Like, I really do feel like... There's a deeper purpose for me. Yeah, well, it's so important and mm. it's brilliant that you're doing it. And you're, what you're managing to do is straddle your passion, which is yeah. singing and performing, but also there is a there's deeply important messaging there that you, exactly. you want to get out there. And it's, it's amazing that you're doing it. It's Thank liberating. You. Thank you. Oh, oh sorry. <laughs> no, it's beautiful. I love it. Oh. It's so beautiful. I mean, I loved reading... Again, towards the beginning of the book, this mantra that you've now got, when you walk on stage, you've got a mantra. And I know you were using it in more desperate times when you needed to build yourself up, but it's still mm. something you say to yourself. Do you mind sharing it with us now? Oh, I believe. No, but you've got this, like, I'm queen. I'm, oh, I, yes, I've, yeah, yeah, I've, sorry. I've, I've dogged I'm it. I'm fierce. I'm fierce. I'm, I'm powerful. I'm on. strong. Yes. Yes. I'm a queen. I'm a queen. I was uh, like, I wonder... Yeah, here you go. Yes. Um, you're a queen. You're fierce. You're powerful. Yes. You're a queen. You're fierce. You're powerful. Yes. I was like, I hope Leanne doesn't mind, but I'm stealing that one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm having no, it. No, it's... Don't know, it's so important. I always say that to myself for stage. It's so always. important because, like you said a moment ago... You can do all this work on yourself and you can build yourself up, but that doesn't mean you're completely robust and you're going to just be then every time you go on stage going, I've got this, let's go. I mean, every time I do a podcast, I'm slightly shitting myself before because I want it to go well. Mm -hmm. And I think you do have to reprogram your mind to go, Mm -hmm. I'm capable of doing this. I am fierce. I'm going to get out there and I'm going to do it. And actually, even if, because I'm sure there have been times when you've been saying that, on repeat in your head, but mm. you haven't believed it. But you've got to still say it. So true. You've got to still say it. It's so true. And like, yeah, you're right. I think there are times where, like, I do sort of resort to feeling like that girl again. And But I'm also bored of feeling like that. Like, mm. I'm bored of doubting myself. And it's like I was taught to do that. I was, I'd learned it. And that's why I think now... Like, I I have therapy and whatever, and I am kind of still healing from it. But I also know that it's not really doing me good, you know? Like, I, like I want to do this solo career, and I want to show people the potential that they might not have seen when I was in the group. And, like, I'm so excited to show that. And 
And also that little girl who had a dream and she was so determined to make it come true. Like, I'm also doing it for her. Yeah, I mean, I am human. So these things sometimes do come back and these doubts do sometimes come back. And I'm like, judo chop, get out. Like, just get out. Because, yeah, like, I'm just ready to do this now on my own. Yeah, and do you know what? I, I was talking to a friend about this last week. We all have those moments where we go back to feeling like... I, I, I could easily go back to feeling like when I was 15, when I was starting out in TV and I was just some random kid from the suburbs who didn't know what was going on. Mm. And I can eat... I'm 40 fucking too. And I can still go back to feeling yeah. 15, Mad. like I don't belong on the set. I don't know what I'm doing. I've just literally come out of school. Yeah. What the heck am I up to? And my friend Harry, who I was talking to, is like, this is when you have to parent yourself. Remember, mm. be be a parent to that younger version of yourself. Yes. Because we couldn't be then because we were too young. Yes. And obviously our parents, you know they're obviously going through this for the first time too. They've never had a daughter in a pop band. They've never had a daughter doing mm. what I do. So you've got to actually go back and parent that younger version of yourself and go, it's all right. Literally. It's all going to be okay. Yes. You've got this. It's fine. But Gosh. we're so used to the habitual thing is to go when we're in trickier times. Mm. Oh, I'm worthless. I can't do this. I'm useless. And we just beat ourselves up. Everybody yeah. does this. You know, not just people who do... You know, jobs like ours, everybody has a propensity to turn so on themselves. Mm-hmm. And as soon as other people start to, you know, say something mean online or whatever, it's so easy for you to go, yeah, I am a piece of shit. Yeah. And you just turn on yourself. Yeah. It's horrible. Oh my God, it's the worst. It is the worst. And that's um, the time when you need yourself the most. Yeah. It is that sort of like imposter syndrome. Yeah. And I actually feel like, uh, yeah, a lot of people for sure will have that but a lot of artists as well and it's like they could be selling out arenas but probably still have this element of it like it's oh it's a thing isn't it yeah it's a thing I've oh oh my god I've interviewed people that you would not even imagine like top of their game Mm. or even just chatted to off mic who are deeply insecure about what they're doing and you could never imagine it but I think if you can use that positively it's great Mm. fire in your belly to go right well what's the next goal how can I keep progressing yeah but it's a fine line between fire in your belly and actually feeling like this is too much I can't do this yeah yeah because it is a lot to put yourself out 100% and I think as well like this idea of self-worth depending on how well you do if that makes sense like um, oh God, I can't not explain it very well, but I did something in therapy where it's like this sort of chart and it's like I was going in this like vicious circle of, because I have so much drive and like it's okay if things don't work out the way I want to or like it's it, it's like I was always searching for the next thing, like nothing's ever good enough, if yeah. that makes sense, like in this sort of circle of it and just like working out ways of trying to break this cycle because, like, I'm out here making music that I love. Like, that's a win in itself. Yeah. You know, and I think, like, I was going through something, going from, like, the one of the biggest girl bands in the world and, like, this massive machine, getting number one is here and there to now transitioning to being a new artist. And I very much do have to start from the bottom now. Like, obviously, I have a platform, but I am still new, you know? Like, I don't... I'm not in a group anymore. So I think, like, getting my head around that and being like it's okay like this is going to take a bit of time but that's fine like you're you've had two songs out you know like you're growing like you've got so much to offer you're making great music you're you love what you're doing enjoy it yeah <laughs> like it's fine yeah and it's, do you know what I think it's scary to let yourself enjoy it 
Mm. I find that. I think, oh, you can't enjoy this. You need to work out what the hell you're doing next. Like, what's the yes. next thing? Is that, it is a bit, I'm, I'm always in that vicious circle. Oh. Absolutely. Of, okay, that was good, but next, what's next? Yeah. What's happening next? And actually, you're trying to quantify your self-worth with stuff or, like, achievement. Exactly. And it's impossible yeah. because where, what's the end? Where does, there it, is, end? Where does it end? It exactly. doesn't. And I think that, you know, that leads very nicely on to sort of talking about perfectionism, which I think is so, it's such a burn. It's <sighs> the pits. <laughs> but we're all stuck in it. Everyone's oh. stuck in this. And, you know, when you have, again, got all eyes on you going, well, what's Leanne doing? And what's the song? And how? what's the book? And how's the mm-hmm, book doing? And there's mm-hmm. all these quantifiable charting mechanisms that make you think I'm doing well or I'm not doing well, whatever it might be. It's really hard to let go of the idea of perfection Mm -hmm. and just go with it. I mean, perfection is, it's so (laughs) evil and tricky. Yep. Oh my gosh, you literally hit the nail on the head. Um, It's so frustrating because like I can go on and have a great performance and like it's perceived really well. There's like one little thing that I did wrong or whatever, and I'm beating myself up. And like I look back on that, and I'm like, Leanne, just chill. Like you did good, you know. Like just give yourself a break. Yes. Wow. I know. Why do we do it to ourselves? I don't know. And also, we're human. We're not robots. Mm. We can't perform a task sort of mechanically and perfectly. There's we're yeah. human. There's going to be. Little moments where exactly. I stumble over words or yeah. you forget lyrics mm-hmm. or whatever we're doing because we're human well, beings and that's it. the beauty of it. Exactly. But we're so... I think social media's enhanced that in yeah. the worst possible Do way. Do you feel like it's got worse? Yeah, oh, God, yeah. Yeah. I mean, th- mm. God, when I was on kids' TV, I was awful, obviously, and I'd be saying all sorts of wrong things <sighs> and just, you know, messing up left, right and centre. No one cared, or if they mm. did, it was in their head. But yeah. now I think that... The strange translation of thought to now it being typed onto a screen, Mm. it feels more brutal. It's actually no different to someone just thinking it and then it disappearing. But actually being on a screen makes it seem sort of more vicious and real. It's not. It's the same as someone thinking it and then going, oh, I'll make a cup of tea now. Yeah. But it's, it's crazy. And I mean, you, you enter, I know you'd done a lot of legwork beforehand and you were deeply passionate about performing and singing Mm. but going into the x factor you're straight into that environment there's no gentle glide into that one you're straight in to that spotlight and again reading your book i could see how you you said you're a shy kid but you Mm. were deeply passionate about singing and performing Mm. and that's where your confidence lived yeah but as soon as you started that x factor process that is where perhaps those insecurities started Mm. to kick in yeah so i remember um there was one show that I did, it was Telephone, and on the night of the show, like, they took away my lines and gave it to another girl. And they didn't even, like, help me, like, oh, maybe we should do it this way or whatever. It was, like, this girl singing that. And I was just like, okay, what a way to knock my confidence. And then I remember calling my sister and she was like, okay, they're not going to hear you, but they're going to see you, so dance your ass off for this show. And I did. You watch that back. I am giving it. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And then, like, another week, um, I really wanted to sing uh, a certain part of the song. It was Don't Let Go. And then uh, one of the producers was just like, well, go on then. Sing it if you can. And I was like, okay, here's my audition again. And then I did it, and then she was like, yeah, you can do it. And I was thinking, why is this so brutal? Like... Oh, my gosh. And it was brutal, and you were progressing. Oh. Well, you won the show, but, I mean, you were progressing without knowing you were going to win, mm. but you're seeing every week people go home. Yeah. Dream over. Yeah. Bye. 
back to what you were doing before and you talk about how awful Mm. that was do you think yeah I mean, it's it's a big one. And, I, you know, I worked on X Factor. I did the Extra Factor for one year. And I was Gosh, like, this yeah. is too much for me. Goodbye, everyone. Um, do you think there's enough care in terms of giving someone that dream or a glimpse of it and then it just dissipates immediately? Well, not back then. No. Definitely not. But obviously, I think we talk a lot more about mental health. And um, so we did a show called The Search and, like, we made sure that a lot went into that, like talking to the contestants constantly like are you okay like even if they had to go home like there was people checking up on them constantly because we know firsthand like that I mean luckily like we we won the show and we obviously didn't get sent home but at the beginning like we had some no's and then we were obviously put into a group but you literally if you you audition one of those shows like this is your life you just want to sing like this is your dream and like there was a point of doing the search like that was in the palm of our hand someone else's dream like I really struggled. I cried all the time. I hated it. Like, how saying no to people just, oh, my gosh. And I think it's because I knew how much I wanted it. So, yeah, that was that was really hard. But I definitely feel like things have, are changing now in terms of the level of care that they have for people, um, I think. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. It was brilliant and it all seems very sort of fateful and fortuitous. Again, looking back on your your X Factor story that you were put in this group and you guys clicked. There was some magic Mm. immediately that you all clicked. You shared a work ethic. You really got on with each other. Alongside that ran this feeling for you of... But who am I? What's my identity? Yeah. You know, and again, again, we can look at the model of the Spice Girls, who, you know, we were all obsessed with, and it was really clear to see. You know, Smash It's had given them these names of posh mm. and sporty, and and we could clearly see what their supposed persona was. Yeah. But that obviously leads for a lot of other musicians in bands, certainly, to have this, you know, identity that's already yeah. there, and you go. I'm the one who dot, dot, dot. Mm-hmm. You know, and even later in the book, you talk about asking yourself that question, like, who are you, Leanne? Yeah. Who are you? Is that something that you're still concerned about or you still give thought to? Not Definitely not as much because now I'm just like, I'm me, take it or leave it. <laughs> like, I am literally just myself and I feel like whoever meets me sees that as well. I just... I think I spent too many years thinking that question, who am I? Like, what do I bring to this group or whatever? I think obviously being in a girl band as well, like we were very much equal. There wasn't a front runner. There wasn't a lead singer. So everybody had, like the Spice Girls, everyone had their thing. And I feel like everyone else kind of had that figured out really early. And then there was just me like, okay, am I the sexy one? And then one time like I um, like had this particular hairstyle that I wanted to keep going with. Um, it's just just not figuring it out and I guess like I was really young too you know like there was a quite a lot to kind of like deal with and handle but no now now I'm just like take it or leave it man <laughs> yeah and also I mean I sort of think I don't know who I am still 
And I'm actually quite excited by that. Mm. Like, what? There's still so much to learn about, like, what I can do, what I don't want to do. I think it's a really juicy proposition when you're younger that you've got to figure it out. Mm. And then maybe as you get older, you just think, I don't care. Let's just see what happens. Let's see what happens. And quite exciting. Who am I going to be when I'm 60? I don't know. Yes. I think as well, like, now moving into this solo era like people asking okay Leanne who are you again the same question okay well I've had two songs out so let's just see you know (laughs) like why do I have to have this so figured out like I've literally just entered my my solo journey like I know the kind of music that I want to make like let's just do it you know and also that pressure yeah and it's strange because once you maybe do figure it out if if any of us ever do mm. especially if your job is public facing that then that's you set in stone yeah. like you are that people find it really hard when i think certainly music artists change either style of music yes. or what they look like or who they're showing up as mm. whereas we're all changing every day every single person on planet Earth is mm. evolving and growing yep. and changing daily, but we've got a low tolerance for it for people who are out there on a stage. It's so true, yeah. isn't it? It really it's is. It's weird. Yeah. And I think as an artist as well, you should be able to explore the different sides, you know? And like, if you're feeling in a certain mood one day and you want to write a ballad, but you normally write upbeat songs, then do your ballad, you know? Like, it's, you should have that ability to be able to put out what you want and feel what you want to feel. Do you think, I mean, I'd probably say in a cliche way, personally, that I've come to these discoveries through age and experience. Would Mm. you say it's a similar thing for you? There's not been like one epiphany. It's sort Mm. of, it's age. I think it's definitely age, 100%. Yeah. Older and wiser, don't you? And like, you learn as you go. And you also have to go through things, you know, like the struggles and the setbacks and everything. It just builds you up and makes you more resilient and stronger. Yeah, I think it's really encouraging for people to hear you say that. Mm. I think looking to, again, that sort of like top tier level of musician who Mm. are sort of global, touring, look like they've got it all figured out. It is really liberating to hear Mm. that there are insecurities underneath and there are you know, constant cognitive whirrings of Mm. questioning yourself. And there was a deeply sad bit in the book where you talk about this period of your career where you were obsessed with the idea of getting a nose job (sighs) because you felt this discomfort in your own skin. How how did you get through that period and come out going, do you know what? I actually Mm. really like myself. I just remember constantly like comparing myself and like always feeling like the least desired and... uh, People will sometimes say, oh, but why did you feel like that? Sometimes it's just a feeling, you know, like it's just a freaking feeling. Um, but yeah, I, I would, I wanted a nose job. I hate saying it. Oh, I love my nose. I'm so glad I didn't do it. I really love my nose. Like it's just, it's crazy. But I think I was obsessed with like looking around me and at these Eurocentric beauty features that are considered beautiful, you know, and feeling like I had to look like that to appeal to this audience, this predominantly white audience that we had. And then also a magazine as well. I think that they um, edited mine and Jade's nose. And like we were so excited to do this mag and like saw the pictures back. And that was a real knock, you know, like you really think that we have to do that to, to be beautiful. Like you've actually done that to us. Like it was horrible. Um, but all these little things just kind of just like added to it. I think Instagram again, and I'm not going to slag it off entirely because I really Mm. like using it and I really 
I enjoy learning from it. I like mm-hmm. the connection from it. I think it's sometimes just quite fun. Yeah. But I think, you know, I did a post about this the other day, more in relation to ageing because mm. in this industry and you see quite a few people getting Botox mm. and then you see it on Instagram, not only Botox, but and it's nothing, I'm not slagging off Botox if that's what you want to do. I'm yeah. not being judgmental about this. But for me personally... I don't want to fit into that mould. And you mm. see on Instagram these certain pictures, extremely filtered, mm. you know, whatever, there's certain angles and everything does look extremely the same. It's sort of identical. Yep. I've got a characterful nose and I've definitely mm. gone through periods where I've thought, oh God, I wish I had sort of cute little mm. butter nose. I now love my nose. This, Good. Is, this is my dad's nose, okay? Oh. And my dad's ace. So I, I'm yeah. sticking with this nose and I like it. And I'm also sticking with these, I've got lines all over my forehead when I do that. And I've got lines here, I've got lines here. Well, I don't give a shit. I, I'm mm. not. And I think we've all got to really try and push against this narrative that we've got to, certainly as females, yep. show up in a certain way. Mm-hmm. And looking a certain way. Looking and it's the like, same. Guess what, guys? I'm going to keep on ageing. Yes. And each time you log on, I'm going to look a little bit older. Oh, yes. We've got to do but this. Why are women so scrutinised for that? Like, men can just age oh, and age, like, like fine wine. I know. They're freaking grey foxes. What do they get Yeah, called? silver foxes. Silver foxes. There's no <laughs> silver yes. female fox. Do you know what I mean? Like, gosh, just let us be. Let us be. Honestly. <laughs> It's true, though. It's so true. It drives me mad. Mm. And it scares me for my kids massively. And that, again, might be a bit of a cliche, but it scares me. I'm sort of hoping there'll be an implosion in that generation that just mm. go, sod all this, we're not we're not going to listen. We're, we're going to do our own thing, and I really hope that happens. Because mm. at the moment, it still feels on the edge of, eek, there is this pressure for everyone to turn up aesthetically looking a certain mm-hmm. way and we've got to have room for there to be just great diversity in every yeah. capacity in every area I feel like as well like kids are getting older quicker yeah like when you look at like I don't know someone that's like 13 and they look about 20 like that scares no. the life out of me no like and you know like when we were growing up I was old no we're not old <laughs> it's just when we were growing up and like we didn't have all those filters and whatever. No. We we went through like our stages. Whereas now it's like, how can I explain this? Like, there's no like, not ugly stage, but like we. How can I? You know what I'm saying? Like, well, we experimented. Yeah. Holy cow! I had all the hair colors, all the haircuts, yes. all the awful makeup, yeah. and dark brown lip liner, and just but now horrific. It's like going straight to this like sophistication, perf- yeah, perfect quote unquote like yeah look and. Yeah, it's scary. It is scary. Mm. It is scary. I mean, that's the good thing about social media is there is always like a sort of counter narrative that hopefully is running parallel to the stuff that is probably a little bit less helpful. Mm. But it's a big subject. We'll see. Um, I mean, you've you've talked about you've alluded to therapy already. I know Mm. that you started therapy 2013. What made you seek out therapy in the first place? Oh, gosh. Um, I first had it. Yeah, I was experiencing all these things in the group, like feeling less than, feeling invisible. Like I wanted to speak to somebody. So I spoke to a lady, so lovely, and she's like, she's done therapy with us as a group as well. But when I spoke to her, I just, it didn't come to that conclusion, you know, like she couldn't say to me, okay, it probably is because of your skin. Like there was none of that, you know, like there was no like realisation of that. So it wasn't really that helpful for me. And then obviously, yeah, we have had it as a group as well, like like losing a member and whatever. Like we had to obviously, we needed something because it was just such a 
horrible like moment time but recently yes I am having therapy and I think for me it was really important to have a black woman because sometimes you want to just be able to talk and not feel like you have to explain you know like in the fact that she just gets it like is just such a comforting feeling because it it's exhausting enough talking about race like it's so tiring and yeah I just think it was important that I had that and do you is this something you still regularly do now yeah no it is I'm not gonna lie sometimes I'm like oh I've got it today and I get a bit oh do I want to get into things do I want to but then I have it and I'm like oh my god I'm so glad I did that yeah you know like it is a scary thing but it's so necessary yeah it is Mm. I think going back to even that question of like who am I it sort of helps you figure all that out or care less and it's you know it's it's important I certainly have that or some days I go oh I feel great I don't need to and that's probably a sign that I really should yes (laughs) yeah I get that too it's mad it is Mm. it is so look you alluded to it we don't have to get into it too hugely here but obviously Jessie came on the podcast not long after she left Mm. Little Mix and that was a deeply painful time for you Mm. as well as therapy how did you navigate that Oh, I think we were really lucky, like, like me, Jade and Pez, like, really stuck together and, like, just, like, we were lucky that we had that bond to get each other through it. Um, Like, the fans were amazing. I felt like, like, we were held and, like, obviously we have an incredible team. as We had an incredible team so that they were really strong for us too. And, yeah, therapy too. We had to have a bit of therapy. Um, Yeah, it was hard. I mean, you're on an indefinite hiatus at the moment. Mm. Do you still talk as a band about what the future could hold, what you might do later down the line? Yeah, I mean, I th- I like to think we'll definitely do a reunion. Like, we, how can we not, you know? Like, I mean, let's just enjoy this time now, like, for each of us. But, yeah, I definitely think maybe, like, five years' time we'll get back together, make a load of money, you know? <laughs> You've got your plans. Yeah. You've got your plans. And how are your gorgeous twins? Mm. I saw that little video the other day of them dancing to your single, My Love. It's the cutest thing I've ever seen in my life. No, stop. But they sing it as well. They sing it. I'll be like, what's your favourite song? They go, My Love. (laughs) And they're two. Yeah. Terrible twos or okay twos? Bit of both, to be honest. Um, They're kind of chill, but yeah, they definitely have their moments. Um... Oh, God, I'm obsessed. And twins is no mean feat. I mean, I've got friends Mm, with twins. Yes. And that's an experience that, you know, I haven't lived through. But simple things, breastfeeding, you trying to sleep at night. It's a whole other shebang. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I had to breastfeed them at the same time at one point. But I remember there was one time where they were up on the hour every hour. Like, they were taking it in turns, so I just didn't sleep. And, like, I was hallucinating. Like, there were spiders oh. crawling across me. There was bees on the ceiling. Like, and I remember waking Andre, I'm like, get up! And he was like, what? I'm like, I'm just hallucinating again. That tiredness, it's <laughs> Sleep paralysis. Level. Yeah, it's wild. Wow. Oh God, but we but do you it. got through it. We're resilient, man, us women. Jeez. I know. God, we're so strong. What we can do. Wild. And you've also got your partner. He's not living in the UK at the moment. No, he's, he's in, in Saudi. Saudi. Yeah. So how's that? How's that to manage? Oh, long. Um, mm. Yeah, I just miss him. It's. I mean, he probably sees us like once a month at the minute. Like it's long. Yeah, long distance is hard. But we know what we're doing it for, you know? Like we're doing it for them, for the babies. So 
Not long to go. Yeah, you've got this. Yeah. You know what your future goals are. Exactly. You just got to keep going with it. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, I really appreciated in the book that you were very keen to say, let's not sugarcoat relationships mm. here because every relationship has either had its challenges, faces yeah. its challenges at the moment. And you talk about rougher times that you had with mm. your partner. How How did you get through that and end up in a good place today because mm. I think there's always people who are going to be listening to this or otherwise who are at that point at the moment in a relationship going with kids mm. which is a very complicated situation am I seeing this through or is it time to call it a day yeah. how did you stick with your relationship and have you got to a good place with it now mm. I think if you want something bad enough you f- you will fight for it for me, I wasn't ready to throw the towel in. I think I knew and I know what we have is so pure and so strong. And I think sometimes people are quick to kind of like give up or like walk away or whatever. But I think where we are now in this like beautiful place, I feel like we've we've had our struggles. And if anything, it feels sweeter where we are because we've like been through shit. And I don't know, there's just something about like if you really can make it through that and get to the other end, like what does that say, you know? Like, that says a lot. And also, like, nothing's perfect. People mess up, you know? And, like, I think whatever we went through, like, I was I was ready to, to fight and, and make it through, and I'm glad that I did, and we did. I also loved hearing about how you met because it's not dissimilar to my own story in no. the fact that I'd come out of a very long-term thing and I went, fuck it, I'm going to Ibiza. You went, fuck it, I'm going to Marbella. Oh, my God! <laughs> and I met my husband in a club and so did you. Brilliant! Yes. Oh, my God, I love that. Me wow. too, because actually it's usually when you're feeling like you're never going to meet anyone that you meet yeah. the person. Wow. I... This is b- before dating apps. We didn't have all that. Yeah. We were just like, oh, met someone in a club. Oh, God. That's so <laughs> We're so <true>. old-fashioned. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's so cliche, isn't it? But, but I love actually, it. like, when... Yeah, for me, I felt like it was re- actually love at first sight. Like, and I'm a hopeless romantic, and I love really hard. Me too. But yay, I love that. But I just knew as soon as I saw him that, yeah, this is it. In Marbella, literally in, in a Mar- club. Marbella, Marbs. I love it. Wow. A bit of the Marbs. Yeah. Oh, I know what I wanted to say. Mm. You have dedicated your book mm. to your grandma Norma and your nanny Dory. Mm. What did those women mean to you? Oh, gosh. Um, Try not to cry again. Um, So my nanny, Doreen, was the kindest person ever. Like, when you think of a nanny, like, we made cakes, we made fresh fish and chips, like, we went on dog walks, and, like, she was just the best. And, like, me and my sister would just look forward to going to her house, like, every weekend that we could, and, like, just obsessed with her. And she never really got to, she never got to see this. She never got to see any of it. And I just, sometimes I just wish, I wish that she could still be here to see, to see me. And, but I know she is, she's up there. She's looking down. Um, But I feel like what I got from my nanny, like that, like that sort of caring, like kindness, like I really feel like she imprinted that into, into me and like into my sisters. So like, I just love that. And my grandma Norma um so we didn't see her as much as we'd like to because my granddad like we didn't really get on with him that much and like my mum wasn't really close to him she didn't really like him like he wasn't a very nice man and he was just horrible to my grandma 
Um, and we always get so like sad that we didn't spend enough time with her. God, Cause she was an angel. Um, so yeah, I think we like, we think about all the, the beautiful times that we did have with her and like the last, like the proper memory I have of her was when she was like dancing, um, in our living room and like loving her life and, like that was one of the last memories and like I just think of that and like again I know she's up there watching down on us all so mm, it's a lovely dedication Thank you. it's so nice to look back on the generations and mm. have that gratitude for yeah. what you got from those women so it's so true yeah it's really important it's so, really so important true. but look Good luck with this beautiful book. Thank you. And everything that you're doing solo. Mm. I'm so happy to see that you're thriving and that you're in such a good space. It's thank a total you. joy. And thank you for being on Happy Yay, Place. Yay, that was so nice. Thank you. Leanne, what an absolute pleasure to get to have that chat with you. It was so beautiful just hearing you talk so honestly, so openly. I think it's hugely encouraging for other people to hear you talk in such a way and I also loved hearing you talk about your grandmothers that made me really reflect about my own grandmothers after the recording of the podcast it's a it's a really beautiful thing to do so thank you Leanne Leanne's memoir is called Believe and it's out now what else are you reading at the moment, by the way? Come and join our book club over on Instagram, at Happy Place Book Club. I love chatting there during the week, and obviously I'll be back here next week with another wonderful guest. Until then, the biggest thank you again to Leanne, to the producer Anushka Tate at Rethink Audio, and to you lot for being here with us. We love you. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium.